0: Gears. This morning, the last several messages uh, that we had been, um, been preaching had been about uh, about the same theme, and we're going to shift gears and move into a new new series this this uh, starting this week. Something that I feel like the Lord wants us to hear, and this morning we're going to talk about touch. Touch. <clears throat> Any of you all hate to be touched, like don't hug me, don't don't come up to me, don't shake my hand. Um, like maybe the folks in the side wings. come here. Well, I'm not going to preach about that. That's not what this is about. But, you know, normally I'll give a a definition of what something means, but I think we all pretty well know what the word touch means. I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. This is Jesus. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. We all know what the word touch means, but do we know what leper means? Do you know what a leper is? Leprosy still exists today, but because of modern medicines, we do not see the outbreaks of leprosy like would be seen in the times that Jesus was here on the earth 2,000 years ago. I contemplated showing a picture of leprosy, but after the first three or four pictures I saw, I opted not to do that. You're welcome. You are welcome to go and look for yourself if you like. But leprosy is a scaly... uh, The skin becomes very rough, cracks, and gets real nasty. Whenever someone had leprosy, no one could touch them because the way it would be transferred would be through touch. You would touch something or somebody that had leprosy and then it would get into your into your the pores of your skin specifically if you touched your eyes or your mouth. So, when someone had leprosy, they were considered unclean. By unclean, what that meant was they would have to walk around. Anywhere they went and cry out unclean, unclean, don't touch me. Like if you were sick today, someone came up to shake your hand, what would you say to them? Hey, hey man, I. I I don't, want to touch my, I don't want to touch hands with you. I've got a cold or I've got the flu. I don't want to transmit this to you. So let's, not, let's forego the handshake um, you know, and certainly don't kiss me. But when someone was unclean, they would remain unclean until they were healed. Or I mean until their body you know, got rid of the condition. So in the case of leprosy, being that there was no cure... What would they have to do their whole life? Because of the uncleanness and having to say that they were unclean where they went to announce themselves as sick, they would often gather together in communities outside of the city. They weren't allowed to be inside of the city according to the uh, uh, Mosaic law, so they had to stay outside of the city walls, outside of contact with other people, and remain together by themselves with other lepers. So you would have a community of lepers living outside of the community. They could not go see their families. They could not be around their friends. They had to isolate themselves away from everyone and everything for their life. So can you imagine how horrible it would be to find out you have leprosy? And you can also understand why people would be so keen on not contracting and staying away from it. When the Bible says that Jesus came down from the mountain, crowds followed him. Among the crowds was what? A leper. How had this leper heard about Jesus? Everybody was talking about what Jesus had done. How he healed the sick, raised the dead, opened blinded eyes. the, The miracles that he had done. And this leper had no doubt heard the stories of what Jesus had done. And the leper comes to him and says, Lord, if it be your will, I know that you can make me clean. The leper says, I know you can do this, but I don't know if you will. If it's your will, I know you can. Do you want to heal me? And if so, I know you can. This is a roundabout way of humbly asking somebody to do something for you. The leper is asking Jesus, will you heal me? Why does the leper have reservations? Because everybody has reservations about the leper. It says that the leper came to Jesus and knelt down before him. It says the leper does not touch Jesus. The leper comes to Jesus, kneels down before him and says, If you will, you can heal me. The leper did not touch Jesus because the leper knew that Jesus understood the law. And he knew that had he touched Jesus, Jesus would be unclean. Therefore, he did not touch Jesus. Jesus. But the one who gave the law said I did not give the law for the purpose of abandoning people and keeping people away and causing people to be killed. I gave the law in an effort to get everyone to understand that none of you are perfect. So here a man or woman that is a leper comes to Jesus and says, If you will, I know you can make me clean. How does Jesus heal the leper? If someone has leprosy, they have to cry out that they're unclean so that no one will touch them or touch anything that the leper had been close to. You know how you tell your kids keep your hands in your pockets when you're walking down by the through the fair so they don't reach out and touch something or you tell your kids, you know, keep your hand hold my hand keep your other hand in your pocket. I don't want you touching some slimy handrail that who knows what's been touched on it and we don't want want you to catch anything. A leper couldn't touch anything, couldn't touch anyone, would have anything, they came nearby, people would avoid it. So how does Jesus heal the leper? Does Jesus say six feet? Stay back. Stay away. You go over there and I'll say the words... And you will be healed. Is that what Jesus does? Jesus does that which is unlawful. Mm. The lawgiver breaks the law. Isn't that interesting? Jesus stretched out his hand. This This is stated this way to show us that it was intentional. It wasn't accidental. Jesus didn't accidentally bump into the leper and say, oh, man, I heal you. Jesus intentionally stretched out his hand and touched him on purpose. It was akin to him saying this, I want you to be healed. And what happened to the leper? Immediately, he was healed. But Jesus just touched a leper. Wouldn't that make him unclean? What happened when the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus? What happened to the issue of blood that she had? She was healed. You know that no one was supposed to touch or be touched by someone with the issue of blood. Now, in this woman's case, it was more than just a monthly period. This was a flow of blood that never stopped. And like a leper, she would have to remain outside of the camp. Could not be around her family or friends. She touched him. And what does Jesus say? Who touched me? And what do the disciples say? Are you crazy? How are we supposed to tell you there's 55 11,000 people in this room? How are we supposed to know who touched you? And he said, virtue left my body. In other words, someone just got healed. In a big old crowd full of people, it wouldn't be hard to find out which one got healed. What would you do if you had spent decades with a constant issue of blood and not been able to be around your family or friends? How would you react? Would you be like, oh, geez, this is a pretty special moment, right? Would you be like, oh, well, no, this, is, this is a really good day? Or would you be like, wow, I'm healed? What happened when Jesus was in the presence of the dead child? What happened? Child, come back to life. What about Lazarus? When Lazarus was dead three days, but now he stinketh, they said. He started to rot. Corruption has set in. What does Jesus do? Lazarus, come forth. And he told the people, take the grave clothes off of him. He's fine. In all of these instances, Jesus did that, which he was not lawfully supposed to do. He was around a dead body. He was touched by a woman with the issue of blood. And he was not only touched by a leper, but he himself touched the leper. And what happened in all of those cases to the sicknesses and the diseases and the death? They left. Why? Because the giver of life, the one who is able to make right that which is wrong, is not moved by our sicknesses or our diseases, our sin or the problems. Not even death can, be, can, can hold, or, or hold him back. When he enters into the situation or the room, what happens? Things that are broken get made whole. Things that are sick get healed. Things that are dead come back to life. And Jesus says to the leper, Go, don't say anything to anybody, but go and show the priest that you are whole, that you are healed, and offer up the sacrifice that is or the gift, the sacrifice that is required by Moses through the Mosaic law for a proof to them. In other words, to show that you truly are healed. Jesus is telling the leper to follow the law and go and show that you are whole now so that you can go back to your family, so you can go back and be a part of society. What I want to focus on this morning is the fact that Jesus touched the leper. How did Jesus heal? He touched. How did Jesus show mercy and compassion? He touched. He went where no one was supposed to go. He did what no one was supposed to do. And he was able to accomplish that which no one else was able to accomplish. For many years, the woman with the issue of blood sought out medical, of blood sought out medical treatment with the experts all over the, the, that land, around the world that day. And no one was able to heal her. She spent all sorts of money. Nothing would work. But she touched him. You know the old song, He touched me and made me whole. I think we've forgotten something today. I think we've lost sight of just what it was that Jesus did. Jesus did not come to the earth to lay down his life so you and I can have traditional meetings. Come together and do what Meemaw and Peepaw did. And just keep the the fire burning a little bit. Jesus didn't come and call us to hold down the fort. Jesus didn't call us to come in here and have a nice little social club with a couple families that gather together and constitute a congregation. Jesus did not call us as the church to remain isolated from the world around us, to hide away in some bunker until He returns. Jesus never one time told us to play it safe. Not one time did Jesus ever tell us to run for the heels. Not one, t- well the one exception is when the tribulation hits. Different context altogether, the church is gone at that time. You are the church. So you need to hear what Jesus says to the church. Jesus did not call the church church. To be the arbiter of righteousness and to bestow salvation on those that they like and to reject those that they don't. Jesus did, that's what the law did, that's what the Pharisees did, that's not what the church is supposed to do. Jesus did not give you the authority to create all sorts of laws and bylaws within your organization to complicate the reaching of the lost. Jesus didn't call you to be an agency or an institution. He called us as a church to be an organism, not an organization. A living body is what we are. Not a body politic, not a body of people that gather together and make sure that we check off all the boxes. That's tradition. That's legalism. That's what the Pharisees did, and that's not what the church is called to do. While Jesus was here on the earth, he stood against the Pharisee and their traditions. And never, never was there a better example of that than what we read here today. The Pharisee would make sure that they were watching that that leper. Boy, they better never come out of their community because if they do, we will have them stoned so fast. They better never, ever cross over that line that we drew in the sand. Because if they do, we're going to get them. We're going to get them. And the ones that the Pharisees rejected were the very ones that Jesus touched. The Pharisees wanted nothing to do with Jesus. The stone which the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. And the rejected stone upon which this whole thing that we call the church is built... The whole thing its called us to go out and touch those that are untouchable. This is no longer our little comfortable hideout, our respite from the evil world. This is a training ground. This is a gymnasium. This is where we come to be fed, where we come to be fueled, where we come to be trained, to be taught the word in order that the Spirit of God might use that in us to go out and be what Jesus wants us to be in the world. What you did yesterday is wonderful, but what are you doing today? You and I are called to go and make contact with the leper. To not just make contact, but to do what Jesus did. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless my Father does it. And everything that I have commanded you, teach one another that you might do what I have done. So, how many lepers have you touched? Now let's cross out the word leper. Let's put in the word unclean. How many unclean people are there in our community today? Now, by unclean, what I mean is one who is not righteous and upstanding with the Lord. Do you know any unclean people? People who aren't born again. Do you know any? Do you know any people who are living contrary to what God says to do? You know, if all of us in this room are honest, would we not say that from time to time I've got to be put in check? I can't tell you how many times someone said to me, you were looking right at me today, preacher. You were staring a hole through me, and I'm like, I did not even know you were there. You were stepping all over my toes. I'm like, bro, I never got out from behind this, this stand here, you know. When Jesus came down from the mountain, there were great crowds that followed him. Don't buy into the lie that if a church grows, it loses its value or it loses its power. It loses its strength or it loses its potency or it becomes worldly. Great crowds followed Jesus. You realize our church has a name in this community, right? You realize that, right? People know who we are. They know what we do. People know you. They know you. Do you realize the same power that was in Christ Jesus now dwells in you? And he has given you authority to act on his behalf in this world. We have created an environment where people can experience freedom. Our church is growing. On any given Sunday, if everybody, right, Marcia, if everybody showed up, it'd be eighty-five degrees in here on a thirty-two degree day. As many people as we may have in this congregation, it's a drop in the bucket to what's going, to what there is around Owen County not to mention the counties around us. And I really believe that this is something the Lord wants us to understand. There's a whole lot of good Jesus people, a lot of folks that go to church. There's a lot more that don't. How do you touch them? Let me rephrase that. When you are around those in the community, what witness, what testimony are you given for the Lord? Oh, I'm not talking about you're perfect, and you don't wear a hat inside of a building, and you, you make sure that you don't say any bad words and all that. I'm not talking about superficial religion. I'm talking about... When you walk into the room, do people feel that there's love coming from you, that there's a a joy that you have that is unspeakable? Do you come into the room and people say there's something different about that person? Or are you the person, when you walk into the room, everyone cringes and says, oh gosh, what is he going to say next? What is she going to do next? When you walk into the room, does the joy thermometer go up? Or do you suck the life out of a respirator? Let me take it a step further. When you touch those in the community, do you leave behind leprosy? Do you poison them? Do you bring sickness? Or do you heal it? I want to look at this a different way, and then we'll we'll get you all out of here because I know everybody's ready to go home. I'm hungry, but I'm going to deny my flesh. That's one of those backdoor compliments, you know. Jesus touched the leper. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He did all of these things. How was Jesus touched? How was Jesus touched? For all that he did, how was he rewarded? The disciples betrayed him. Those closest to him turned their backs on him. That's how he was touched. One of his own disciples betrayed him with a kiss. That's how he was touched. He's led away by an angry mob. Who were not gentle. He's hauled before the Pharisees, Sanhedrin. They hold court and make awful, lob awful lies and accusations about him. And talk about all of these things that they say he did that he did not do. Until finally they could say that he had committed heresy. Blasphemy because he said he was God's son. They then haul him away where he is punched, hit with wooden, maybe even metal rods. He's beaten mercilessly with the lashes of a cat of nine tails, little pieces of bone, metal, glass at the end of it to make sure it digs into this flesh and rips it off in shreds. He's slapped, he's spit on, he's kicked. They pluck his beard. In the very moment leading up to your and I salvation, he's touched by the metal spikes that are driven through his arms. Speared in his scalp by the thorns of a plaited crown. And there he's left to hang in the sun, naked, flesh tattered, blood pouring from his body. That's how he was touched. The one who touched the leper and healed him is now abused by the very ones he created. Why did he do it? Why did he suffer the way he did? Because he loved us. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world through him might be saved. What could he have done when they lashed out at him the way they did? What could he have done when they insulted him? What could he have done when they drove the nails through his hands and his feet? What could he have done when they spit on him? But what did he do? You know how you touch the community? When you don't render evil for evil. When you don't throw the stone. When you don't proclaim eye for an eye. When you suffer wrongs, when you endure being done poorly. Or treated poorly. But it goes further than that. Because sometimes the problem is not external. The problem is internal. Jesus did not call you and I to be the church and go and find fault in the world. I don't know if you know this or not, but the world is full of sin. And don't nobody need to be told that. They know it. Do you know what they do need to see? They do need to see something in us that is able to take away that which is in them and put something there in its place that is good. When you are constantly complaining and putting others down and talking about how bad people are and how bad the world is, boy, this world's just going to hell in a handbasket. And what are you doing about it? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm staying my rear end right in the church pew, and I'm not getting engaged in anything, involved in nothing, keeping my nose clean, and I'm making sure that I don't go anywhere near those lepers. I make sure that I don't touch anything unclean. I make sure that I scream and yell and get on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and I post all kinds of stuff talking about how bad and awful and terrible the world is. I complain all the time, I'm serving the Lord. Jesus come down from the mountain, he didn't start complaining about how bad the people were at the bottom of the hill, did he? Jesus didn't come down from the mountain and launch into the Pharisees and the scribes and the disciples and talk about how awful they were. Because if he's going to talk about bad people, he's going to talk about his own, wasn't he? Jesus didn't come to complain. And he certainly didn't come to isolate. He came to touch. Yeah, I get it. I get it. People are doing bad things. They are. People are doing ba- you work with anybody that does bad things? You live next door to anybody that does bad things? Do you ever do bad things? The world's crazy. It's nuts. It's bad. Man? Pre kindergarten Christianity, baby. And it's gonna get worse and worse. But where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And when the world is going crazy, the same Jesus that took away the leprosy is still able to take away the sin that so easily besets the world. But they're never going to know about him and they're never going to experience his love and mercy. They're never going to know who he is unless we touch them. And you can't touch them through Facebook. You can't touch them through a sermon online. You can't touch them by saying good things and praying. You have to go and actually touch them. That means you've got to run the risk of being called unclean by those who say they are the righteous ones. You've got to be willing to get your hands dirty to go out here in the muck and the mire and pull someone out. Jesus gave us an analogy. He said a Samaritan a Samaritan, one that the Jews rejected as being legitimate Jews because they were of mixed race. He said there was a man who had been beaten and robbed and beaten and left for dead in a ditch. And he says a Levite walked by, one who served in the temple. And he saw the man and said, I can't touch him because he's bleeding. He's unclean. Then a priest comes by and sees the man bleeding and says, I've never, never touched anything unclean and I'm not going to start today. But then a Samaritan comes by, sees the man laying there bleeding, and he does what? He goes to him and touches him and tends to his wounds. Carries him to the, puts him on his own camel, donkey, whatever he had. Takes him to the inn and tells the man, Here's enough money to care for him for so many days. When I come back through if he's still here and in need of care, I'll cover whatever extra cost there is. But you won't talk to somebody in your family because you don't like what they do. You won't say hello to somebody out in the community because of the lifestyle they lead. What kind of lifestyle are you leading? When you won't go near these people because they're unclean. But your master, your commander, your savior touched the leper first and then healed them. Gave you the example by which to follow. So maybe if we started touching those in the community, making connections with the people in the community and actually loving them and and doing so intentionally, not just to say hello, but to actually, God, find a way to use me to show your love to this person. It might just be a hello. Well, I don't agree with what they do. Well, I don't either. But I don't agree with what you're doing. You're denying them the opportunity to find life because you're angry, because they're unclean. Well, how are they going to be not unclean unless you touch them? If the same power that was in Christ is in you, then you are denying them, denying them what they need in order to be able to be made clean and whole. Where does that put you? Do you love Jesus? Then you should love the unlovable. Because he loves you. And trust me, you are unlovable. Then why are you hiding out in your little holy hangar, waiting for the rapture to happen, keeping yourself pure and clean, When Jesus called you to go out and touch the unclean. Well, I don't know how to do it. Well, I ain't going to tell you. You're going to have to figure that out on your own. Holy Spirit's able to tell you what to do. He'll give you the strength to do it. You just got to be willing to do so. (laughs) You don't like what Disney's doing? Don't like what Netflix is doing. Don't like what Apple, Microsoft, what they're doing. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, I'm making sure everyone knows I don't like what they're doing. But what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know who told you that there was a retirement plan. And once you put in a few years of service in Sunday school teaching, or working with kids, or working with youth, or doing whatever it is you do in the church, now you can take some time. Now you you can retire after 10 years of military service. You're out. I oh, don't know, baby. It's lifetime service. When I'm laying on my deathbed, I pray God to let me give me the opportunity to be able to touch somebody. As I'm leaving this earth, touch them that they might find life. What are we going to do in between then and now? You're going to open up your arms and say, Lord, send me. Use me. Are you going to be the reason that someone doesn't want to come to church?